I'm Emily McDowell, and this is Quitted, a podcast about quitting. We are not going to do an official intro to this episode because it is just me and Holly talking to each other. And today we are doing an update to Holly's original episode that she recorded back in January when she introduced herself and talked about what was going on in her life. She has had some big changes and um, is here to talk about them today. So we sat down and did that. And before we get into that conversation, just our quick weekly reminder that we are a self-funded, self-produced podcast. We don't have any ads. I am not talking to you about purple mattresses or all birds or whatever (laughs) podcast people do. I'm not doing that. I am just talking to you about uh, our show. And we don't have ads. We don't have anybody supporting this in a network capacity. And so we rely on um, our own selves and the generous support of our patrons, um, which are our listeners who are contributing monthly financially to help us make the show. And if you would like to join that community, we would love, love, love to have you. We're so grateful for all of the support. You can do that over at patreon.com forward slash quitted. You can also support the show by rating it, by writing a review, by sharing it with your friends, posting it on social, whatever you do to help get the show out into the world. We so deeply appreciate it. And we really appreciate all of you who are here tuning in. So with that, here is the episode. Holly Whitaker, welcome to Quitted. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Thanks for being our guest today. So we're going to do an update on your episode um, that we did back in January because a lot has changed for you in a fairly short amount of time. Short and long, I guess. Yeah. Is kind of how I feel about this year so far anyway. Right? Yeah. Time. What is it? But yeah. What is it? What is it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What has Um, changed? What has changed? So before we get into that, before we get into what has changed and where you are now, Mm. I want to just back up and set up where you were six months ago. Um, for anyone who may not have heard that episode or who didn't l- listen to it in the last 24 hours. <laughs> um, and you were in this very deep liminal space with many, many different things in life. Yeah. I think um, I was working on a different book at that point. I was trying to do like a follow-up to quit like a woman that just like my heart was absolutely not in. I had just been a month in Fresno. This article had just come out about Tempest. And me as the CEO, even though I hadn't been involved for like nine months, I had just started my newsletter and started writing again after a year of being really messed up. And I also had the day that we recorded that first episode of like, who am I? Why do I care about the subject of quitting? I had resigned from the board of directors of Tempest. So yeah, I had, you know, I mean, like for anybody that does not know my story, I raised venture capital. I built a, an organization that was meant to be something in between support groups and, you know, full-on rehab for people with a alcohol addiction. I had 
built that company starting in 2014, run that company for a few years, replaced myself as CEO in February of 2021. That didn't go well. I you know, went on a sabbatical and ended up leaving that company uh, for good as an employee in June, I think June, July, I don't even know, sometime in 2021. And then um, resigned from the board when we really started the show. And so I think, you know, so a lot was happening then. I was writing about different things. I had been quiet for a long period of time. I had stopped using social media. And I was, you know, still trying to figure out, you know, I never had planned to do anything but what I was doing with Tempest and recovery and sobriety. And I just thought, you know, I have like six book ideas for what to write about in recovery and sobriety spaces. Like it's a subject that I feel tirelessly passionate about. That company, Tempest, I plan to run it forever it was just so easy to believe all of this. It was so it was so sudden and it was such a, you know, such a drastic loss. It was also so personal in that you had founded that company based on what you needed in your own recovery. So it it was really tied to like your own personal experience at its core and then became something else, right? Yeah, it was my, it was me, it was my story. And it was one of those weird, really weird things where, you know, like Emily Weiss just stepped down as CEO from Glossier, 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 Glossier. Um, I never know how to say it. I mean, if we're not being assholes, it's Glossier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even she, who is so distanced from the brand still, is deeply important to the brand and if they had like cut her out, you know, seven years ago, five years ago, whenever it fucking started, you know, probably wouldn't have survived. And I think we were just starting like the suturing process of like removing me from like the, you know, the cloth of the company, not the suturing, the yeah. desuturing. And the desuturing. Yeah, it was really personal. And I guess like what I'm trying to say is like, it was like I took off my skin suit and left it there, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Is that gross? It makes complete sense. I mean, it was something, it was the thing, the thing you cared about more than you cared about anything else. You know, not just Tempest, but recovery itself and the subject of recovery. Yeah. And this idea of you and what you would be doing and what your purpose was. Yeah. And how you were going to fulfill that purpose was through Tempest and through the success of Tempest. And all of that fell apart. Well, and what I'm saying too is that not only did it, that mean I like part of me that I I was lost without it and directionless without it, but also that it was almost like I had been split in parts and a part of me was still like living there even though I wasn't part of it. So I guess that's what I'm saying, which was really weird because most people thought I was still involved because there's like videos of me as if I'm there because sometimes there were like emails sent by me (laughs) that I didn't write. Mm. And like, but my personal story was, it was like, I, it was, again, it's kind of like weekend at Bernie's kind of shit, like where, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and 
But like, where they just like wheel you out in sunglasses and <laughs> an all hands meeting, and it's like a yeah, but scarecrow. I mean that like more theoretically you know? yeah. than than in actuality. Like, I mean that like yes, but I understand. I, and I could, yeah, so I'm saying it was like I couldn't move on because it because there was like a version of me that was still alive, and that I didn't have any ownership over because of that. There was still a part of my life I had no ownership over. Because other people owned it. Right. Because when you raise money, you have investors that... Well, you. I sold the, you my know. IP. And my IP right. happened to be me and my story. It included me and my story and a lot of it. So anyway, without getting into all that, I guess like if we're going back to what January was like, it's kind of like this thing I can't really talk about has been going on for a really long time. It's this really hard thing to talk about. And I'm you know kind of in grief and people don't really know what to do with me, you know. Like I just today in my manicure appointment with the same woman I've been going to for a long time, I told her what I, you know, like very very loosely, the changes that I had been through over the time that we had known each other because she I think said something about how I was salty mm. and like a little like jaded or whatever. And then I just told her some of the stuff I've been going through and she was like, "Oh, well, like you should be more angry than like, (laughs) this is very like, and I think the thing that's been really hard for me is that it's been hard to be how I am and how I have felt in this, which is lost and sad and angry and confused and grieving and a little bitter and, you know, whatever people go through when shitty things happen and in all of this, I guess what I'm saying is there's just also this, I can't go around with like, you know, a little like explainer <laughs> of why right. I am the way I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I was, you know, that I kept seeing happening with you too and happening with with Tempest was that you were having this ultimately like a year plus long period where you were trying to let go and leave and they were saying, (laughs) we want you to leave. But then you (laughs) kept getting pulled back in. Like you kept getting called by people or, you know, asked to save things or fix things or have opinions, but then you didn't actually have any power. And so it was this really weird, hard, you know, as your friend watching this, it felt like it's horrible for a lot of reasons, but it also just yeah. looked really gaslighty in that they kept sort of setting up this hope that you could have an effect on the outcome of things. And then that wasn't actually true. And it kept you tethered to the thing that you were really trying to separate yourself from and go through this grieving process of separation from. And then you know, it's like you keep seeing your, it's like you run into your ex at the grocery store like every two days, you know, when you're every trying two to days. literally, get, that's you know, like stop. That's the most perfect metaphor. I wouldn't say, I want to say, first of all, there's no them, right? It wasn't like there was this like team of people that were like intent on mm-hmm. fucking with me. I think it was just the nature of capitalism. I just want to be really like clear on that piece. It wasn't like they did this to me. It's like we do this to us. Like... It was an organization that was meant to do good things, but it was also done through venture capitalism. And so for almost two years. 
as I was trying to move away from it or let go of it, like just let go of it. Yeah. It was like running into my boy. That's like so well put. It was like having this horrible breakup where you're, you know, hateful and traumatized and like in freeze mode. Right. And then around this person and this person literally just like is calling you every day or like showing up (laughs) in your bathroom in the morning when you're going to brush your teeth or like, you know, maybe like for three days, it's silent. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, you go to a restaurant and they're like, you know, at the fucking table. It was very, yeah, it was just like, oh my God. And it wasn't gaslighty, like, because I want to be really careful with that term. It was this thing that I, I personally felt like I kept on surrendering But I also, I kept thinking I was surrendering and letting go, but I wasn't. And so it wasn't like this one-sided thing, even though I would tell you, like, it needs to leave me the fuck alone, you know? And like, you'd be on the, you know, we'd be together, like trying to record this and I, my phone would ring and literally almost every time we were together, my phone would ring and it would be something. It was like all of my fingers. And I like, imagine I have a million fingers. And like mm-hmm. I'm hanging <laughs> off a cliff and I'm like letting one go and I'm letting one go and I'm like, I'm done. I'm about, you know, I'm, I'm done and I'm, I'm not done. And I think that until I got to the worst of it, like the very fucking bottom of my resistance. Like I f- had to fall further than, you know, and the, and what that looks like is in my negotiation, like there was no negotiations when it was sold. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just lost all my equity, you know? I mean, yeah. that was just it. I tried to assert a small amount of power and no one even talked to me about the cell, you know? And like, I didn't fight for my IP or any, like I just was like, cool. I didn't even read the documents I signed. I was at that point, it was like, you know, the 720 somethingth day of running into my ex at the supermarket. And I was just like, I'll do anything not to see you again. And I'll be any, I'll do anything for you to move to Mexico. <laughs> right. Like, get the um, fuck out. <laughs> so let's back up for a second and, yeah. and just clarify what happened with Tempest. So what was the, so, so what the sort of final piece of mm. your actual separation was? from the company because now that has happened. Yeah. So I stepped down as CEO in February, 2021. I went on sabbatical shortly after I left formally as an employee in July of 2021. I stepped down from the board in January on the day that we recorded our first episode of this, like, you know, like divine timing. And um, then Tempest was acquired by an organization called Monument, sometime a couple weeks ago. And so that basically, uh, what's the word, um, turned to ash. <laughs> like all of my, not, it turned into nothing for me. Like, um, you know, the interim CEO split some of her money with me, um, which was generous beyond. Um, but, you know, I mean, it just ended. That was it. It just disappeared for me and my involvement. It goes on in lots of other ways. But I think what's you know, I think like I want to establish in speaking about this, it's been a long time. It was a long divorce and it is what it is. And I want to be clear if there's any like affect, it's just, it's just like talking about, you know, something that is 
so over. It's, you know, what did Sarah Jessica Parker say? Like, we're so over. Like, remember when she was breaking up with Big and like Sex in the City? Like, we're oh my so God, over. I There's just not even never watched Sex over. in the City. Ugh. I know. Best line I know, ever. I know, and I, I can't know, remember I it. But it was just like, we're so <laughs> over. There's not even a word for over. Something like that. It was just whatever comes after over. Whatever is comes after right. over is this. Yeah. So, and I feel like. I mean, I don't know. We can, you can ask me about that. But. Yeah. I I want to ask you about that because I want to ask you, you know, how you got to, like, we have talked a bunch on this show about how you are a burner downer, you know, like how you are wired to want to blow shit up and walk away mm-hmm. versus trying to make it work if it's not working um, and versus holding on, you know, and with Tempest, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, you held on finger by finger and sort of had to be, you know, peeled away because it was, it had been so important to you and because it had been such a huge piece of your life and the thing that you had given everything to for so many years, you know, that I would imagine it's not, you know, applying that sort of like, I want to just burn this and be done. Oh, I didn't philosophy. want to just burn that down. No, no, no. Yeah. You know, I you did like, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, but at a certain point, something energetically shifted for you. Yeah. Basically, as soon as the company was acquired and you were out of it, it was like, you know, your spirit had been like caught in a net and, you know, someone came along and like freed the baby seal and you were like, okay, like, you know, and what was so interesting about that too, was that like, to be clear, it was not a good financial outcome for you. You know, you, that you essentially ended up- It was not any kind of outcome for me. It was not a good, any kind of outcome. You know, like you gave away all of this intellectual property that you'd spent years developing. You Mm -hmm. didn't have a, you know, payout from the company. No, I I mean, I did have a pay, like the CEO, the interim CEO split her like commission with me, um, which was not a ton of money, but sure. So I got like, I basically got what should have been my severance, you know, a year ago. So there was no big, like, you know- No, I did not have a windfall. No, yeah. No, no windfall. So like, I I think about this from like, in my perspective, like if I had been you and I had been going through this and like, I would have felt terrified the whole time that like, oh my God, the one thing I don't want to have happen, like I don't want to give away my IP. I don't want to sell this for nothing. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. The one thing that you like, you know, don't want to have happen or one of the things Mm. ends up happening. Mm -hmm. And I have just like, watched you be, as soon as it happened, it felt like you were in real sort of radical acceptance of that. Yeah. And so I want to ask you, A, is that true? (laughs) Mm. And B, it got me thinking like about how the question of like, is living with a long-term fear of something bad happening and trying to control it or prevent it or somehow operate around it. This bigger question of like, is that ultimately harder than the actual bad thing happening and then moving forward with whatever reality is? Of course it is. And so I didn't live with the long-term fear around this happening. And I, I mean that in the sense of like, I had to confront like the worst things happened and the worst things already happened, you know? 
Like, I mean, come mm-hmm. the fuck on. I got like <laughs> put on a performance plan at my own company. And like, it wasn't just like, you know, a cute performance plan. It was humiliating. And in that, like, felt like the home I had created, I was no longer welcome in. Mm. And I like, I would never have started the thing if I also hadn't contended with the fact that the thing could fail. It was a startup. It was a risky venture. All startups are risky ventures. All startups have the potential to fail. So I'd contended with that. I think like my worst case scenario in all this is, you know, either it becomes really successful and I don't, you know, I'm just this like weird, sad person that got thrown out of the company or it fails, you know, and like, or like, an, or anything in between that, that becomes some kind of like evil corporation that like, yeah, you like know, that you don't feel aligned with anymore. Yeah. 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 Whatever. I mean, like, it doesn't even matter. And I'm not like, I, I guess like what I'm saying is, I confronted most of the worst of my fears early on because they were like waves that would not stop coming. And I was a terrified mess. And I was not okay. I mean, I was a shell of a fucking human for for months and worried about how I would ever make money again, how I would ever create art again. Like I had spent my one shot and it was done. And now my life was over. And I was like in Croatia at this one point, you know, and I was going on this like hiking, whatever trip with this woman. You know, she like grabbed my hands and was like, your life isn't over. You realize this. You're like 40, you know, <laughs> but like, I just, I felt at the beginning of all of this that it was, it was just done for me. You know, it was not okay. I was not okay. And I think there was this day in maybe June or July, I don't even know when, sometime up here back home in New York. And I realized that it could fail. And I think like really had this like terror of like, oh my God, what if the thing doesn't actually make it? And that was like it. Like for me, it was just, I just wanted it to live. You know, I didn't care about my fucking finances. I didn't care about being a millionaire, whatever the fuck it is, I just wanted it to succeed. Like, I just wanted it to continue. That was it. And I had this day where I realized, oh my God, what if I did all of this and it just fails? And then I remember also thinking, then it fails and you'll just live. And that's just going to be it. And it will have been fine. And it, it will not have been a loss. And I think that was a really big turning point for me. It was like, I mean, I guess that was probably really like August of 2021. And that night I happened to go to a dinner where everybody that like was there had really important jobs and like really important jobs. Like it was almost comical. And, you know, like one of my friends who's a CEO of a company was like, Ooh, that guy over there is number four at this health tech company. And I had started my company before that health tech company. And we were poised at some point to be more successful. And I just realized uh, that no one's ever going to say they were number five at Tempest, you know, or she's the, Mm. you know, whatever. And it was just like, and I had that realization. And then I was just like, I don't care. Like, I mean, and I don't mean like, I don't care if Tempest is successful. I mean, this has no impact or bearing on my own like quality of life, unless I let it. And the radical acceptance part of this and being really happy now 
is because this whole thing rearranged my values. I, like at some point, there was a, another thing that happened a few months after that. And I made a very, very specific decision of something I would not do because it was like out of integrity. And I knew that in making that decision, I was walking away from my financial stake, you know, and it, I realized, you know, in that moment that my integrity was so much more important than money. And I think like, you know, there was just also like the having to come to terms with the fact that like, we don't just have one life. We have so many lives. And I really believe and started to believe, you know, maybe a year ago, but really like believed that this was just the thing that I had to go through. And again, I'm not talking about other people's experience. I'm not talking about the people that this company and this product saved. I'm not talking about the people that worked there. I'm not talking about the investors that put money into it. Like, I want to be really clear. What If I'm saying like this was a good outcome, I'm saying this very specifically to how I personally have processed this for myself. So I also want to say that because I don't want to be flip about other people's experiences. But in mine... I believe very strongly that, you know, this radical acceptance of this is because I, because it it was either die, you know, want to die, um, give up on like my like life force or like believe that this thing had served. I had served. I had run its course. Everything in the universe was pointing to that answer that like this was what was supposed to happen. I tried so hard for other things to happen and it was not, it did not work. This was like the path of, you know, least resistance, even though I resisted it completely. And eventually this acceptance and like happiness at the end of this is because a cycle has been completed And my life is better for it. I'm better for it. I feel better for it. I'm a better human because of it. And I like who I am. And I can't argue with the way things happened because that's how they happened. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's also, I want to talk about you as a writer too because I think that this is a really important piece of this. You know, at one point, I remember us having a conversation, uh, you know, last year or something, and you were just in the, you were really in it, and you were in this depth, this like grief and not clarity about what your role was going to be there. And, you, you know, it was, you were still in the midst of everything. And you said, like, the thing is, like, I'm not this, I'm a writer. And it was as if it, it was like a voice coming from your sort of higher self or your, you know, kind of core self where you were, it was like a moment of clarity that you had where you were like, I am fighting so hard here and I am dealing with all these feelings about not, didn't see, I didn't CEO right. And I didn't do this right. And didn't, and also, but wait a minute, like, I think I'm a right, like I'm a writer. And did I sound like Stuart Smalley? Cause that's kind of no. what this sounds like. <laughs> did I <laughs> no, say I I'm a like, writer, damn it? <laughs> no, I sound like Stuart Smalley, but you know, you are a writer and you are a writer in that you are going, you sit down and write for hours every day. Like it is the thing that brings you joy and it is the thing that you are 
incredibly gifted at. And it is not a small thing that you basically wrote a book as a side project while you were the CEO of Tempest that then went on to be a New York Times bestseller. Like you, you did this, like you did this thing that's an incredibly hard to do and you wrote an amazing book and you did it like on the side while you were also running a company, you know, and that's not to say that you like, you, it worked incredibly hard at it. And you also like, you know, in the, in that process, like lost your hearing and your hair and like, like it was obviously too many jobs for one person to have to try to like write and sell a book and market a book and also run a company. But it's a testament to like your strength as a writer. And it is so not a coincidence that at, you know, essentially the same time as the door to Tempest really finally closed and that reached resolution for you, Mm -hmm. you had a whole surge of inspiration for your next book. Like those yeah. things were were pretty closely, closely tied, tied together. Yeah. And it was kind of what it from the outside, it looked like, you know, that this was what you needed to be able to say, you know what? Like I was gonna write another recovery book and I'm not gonna do that. Mm-mm. Well, I mean, it is kind of about, but it's like a, but it's not like a how to support. Anyway, yes, it's different. It's very different. And yeah, so sorry. What's the question? No, so yeah. the question is like, <laughs> You know, like just this idea that we talk about having to make space for the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess like I, you know, I was talking about this and I just sounded like a fucking, you know, weirdo in the Marley Grace episode. But I was talking about how there was like a catalyst for me getting put on that performance plan and leaving Tempest. And it was like such a horrible series of events. I was a, terrible month. And Laura McCowan gave me the name of an intuitive that she had used. And this is not, this is not ours. It's not Shauna. This is this other woman. And (laughs) I was like in a hotel room and I did this and she just didn't know anything about me and, you know, told me that I was a writer and she had like seen my writer angels and my like business angels get together and conspire because I was you know, leaving or quitting something, but not really fully quitting something. And they had to do something drastic and they were really sorry about the impact of it. And she was like, something really, you know, severe happened. And I know how I sound saying all this and I don't care. And (laughs) I, um, I was like, yeah, something did happen. And then she was like, it's because you're supposed to be writing and this part of your life is done, you know? And I also, just, I don't know how to explain it, but like, I mean, I've been writing for years, right? Like I wrote my way into that, that company was founded on my writing, you know, and my, like a lot of things, but it was, Mm -hmm. it started as a blog. And I mean, when I was doing that job, the thing I missed the most was being able to like sit down and write and writing is actually, it's this thing that still feels like I don't know, like still not mine for some reason. Like I feel like I need to like have, you know, be like knighted into it or something. But I would say like it's kind of like my fucking happy space. And like I do feel like it's something that I'm very good at. I don't, you know, I'm not good at relationships or romantic relationships, but I'm good at writing. And I think, you know, there's just – I was talking to one of my friends about this 
who I know they struggle with like self-confidence in their work. I don't have that problem with writing. Like I have, you know, and it's not like um, humble brag or whatever. I don't know, false humility or whatever. I mean, none of that. I'm good at writing. I know that. It's not a place where I have a lot of stuff, you know, around it. And so I do feel, and it has felt very much like this is clearing space. And even like a couple years ago, I went to Jack London's house in Sonoma and I was with like a person I was dating at the time. And I, I told him like, it was like a country house at the writing room. And I was like, I'm going to have this one day and I'm going to write many books for on my, you know, my fucking morning manifesting list. I've written for years. I write eight books. Like I've already done it, you know, but it wasn't obvious. It wasn't like I'm going to leave to go become a writer. You know, Cause that mm-hmm. sounds fucking grandiose and stupid. But I think like that has kind of been what's come of it. But, but also that just makes it sound like it's been really clear and obvious, even though I've been writing, you know, a lot of this time. And even though I'm in contract to write a book, you know, and all this, it, I, I need to be really clear. There was no clear path from where I was to where I'm going. Even though I written, I've written down on my manifesting list every day, <laughs> I write eight books, even though I can call myself a writer and I know my writing is good, even though I have a fucking contract to write a book with a publishing house, you know, all of this stuff, even though I write on a fucking Substack, you know, <laughs> I can call myself a writer, whatever. I still don't know what I'm doing next. It still isn't gelled. Why do you think that is? Because I needed to not be anything. It was a lot to be the poster child of like, you know, or like the hated person in like the sobriety world. Like my face was on a lot of shit. I used my image and I I created an idea of who I was and branded myself and branded sobriety. I even wrote an article like, I think it was like how to use branding to end the addiction epidemic. <laughs> and I did all of this not like in a sinister way. I did this in that way of like, this is how we made, you know, anything happen back in 2013, you know, at the beginning of social media. Yeah, I mean, all, what yes. and what we all believed was the right thing to do yeah, totally. in not order to make us. the world better. Not all of us, right? Not, because not, I don't no, think no, no, like no. Koa Beck thought, you know. But like, no, yeah, not like, we all. Sorry, <laughs> me and you. What you and I? <laughs> yes, say that. What we, was, you and I, right? What you and I felt was like, <laughs> oh, we can use the tools of capitalism to make the world better in this way. Yes. And yeah. I mean, it yes. was yeah, for yes. sure. And like that was what you know. It made sense to me and it saved my life. Like I used Gabby Bernstein's work when I first got sober and thank God for fucking that. So I think like, yes, I use the tools of capitalism and social media and branding and, you know, all of that stuff in order to really sell an idea of like that I thought was very important, which was that, you know, we needed to address our relationship with addiction and alcohol and like change the narrative around like who can drink and who can't drink and all this stuff that, you know, I don't want to get into, but like, and I thought I'm on this train forever, you know, it did not occur to me that I would never, that I would ever not be that. And I was so committed to it because also it wasn't, 
just like I'm committed to the act, which I was, but I was also committed to the service and the only way I felt I could be of service. And so it just had to work, you know, and they have me in print saying that, you know, they have, like <laughs> I have committed publicly to this act of service and being this person. And then that person became so different than there became a, like a widening chasm between who I was and was supposed to be publicly and who I was. And that didn't mm-hmm. exist at the beginning of this. At the beginning of this, who I was and my public identity were much more closely aligned. You know, it doesn't mean that like my, my, the branded image of me was like the full truth of who I was because you can't really get that from somebody, you know, like you can't know a person fully. So there's always going to be that discrepancy. But when I was on my book tour and like getting hair and makeup, I mean, like it just, it didn't feel right. A lot Mm -hmm. of it just stopped feeling okay. And I think that I was more in service to the image and maintaining that image, even as it became costly and exhausting, than I was to authentically what my heart desired and what I wanted for my life. And the poor fucking marketing team at Tempest and my goddamn, you know, tantrums of like, I can't be on an AMA this weekend. I can't do it. Like, I can't do it because my whole thing was like being fucking honest and truthful, right? And like, and there I am and I'm lying because I can't do this. And so I think that to get back to the question you asked me like a half hour ago, which was like, why do you not just see yourself as a writer, whatever, is because this period of time where against my resistance, I lost against my wishes, against what I wanted or thought I wanted. I lost this identity completely. Even if some people still there, even though if there might be an impression of me left in that space, that some people have, I think like I am not that anymore. And I think that I don't feel that I'm that anymore. And I mean by that, like CEO, founder, you know, Inc. One, Top 100, whatever the fuck things that like were in my bio. Um, I'm not that anymore. And I that's terrifying you know, and I've been in that terror space of like, what do I do next with my life? How like, and I have seen myself really, really battle with the part of me that just wants to construct the next identity so I can like go put a skin on and be that. That's so universal. Like I have struggled with this and I think that this is a human thing is is this desire to go from one identity and one set of signifiers to another set of signifiers because having no signifiers is a terrifying place to be. Well, what do you and even do you, with your hands, right? Like, what, what do, do you do, do? Right. And you were willing to sit in that space for a year plus. Yeah, and I still want to stay saying, here. Yeah. yeah. And I like it here. And I mean, like, I, yeah. 
I like it here. I mean, that's just kind of it, right? Which is like, the th- I didn't want it at all and it still is really uncomfortable. And it's like not lost on me that during this time, I lived in a very remote area by myself, like in the woods, woods, you know, not just like kind of in the woods, like fully in the woods. Can't see other people. Don't see them for days at a time, you know? And, you know, it's not like, like when you say you were willing to do it for a year, like that makes it sound almost heroic. And it's been really humiliating. And I mean that like in a humbling way, it's been, I don't even know. I mean, this is the stuff I'm still trying to process and pull apart, but like, it's just like, I don't want to be, I think Marley and I talked about this and we'd had a first run at this on the day that like Tempest, I signed, you know, Tempest away and like all these people lost their jobs and like, it was just this awful day. And so I was a little heated that day. And I think like, but today what I can say in this is like, I think that like, it's really nice and kind of fun to not be an idea to be no one, right? To like be just in this like kind of like quiet hidden space that I've been in, which is how it feels. It feels very insulated and like, like I'm gonna like, you know, like, and I don't need to rush to the next thing. And then it also feels really scary because then I'm afraid, what if I just like it here so much? I stay here forever and I never do anything with my life again. But writer feels like, it it still feels like the next thing and not the current thing. Yep. Is there anything else that you haven't said that you feel like you want to say about where you are now? Um, I mean, I guess like the main thing is that like what has been, you know, this just like addiction, I didn't like, it was just like realizing I had a problem with alcohol and like it being like the thing that I didn't want to have happen and the thing I didn't want to have happened becoming the best thing. This has been a really, really hard period for years, like almost since I moved to New York. It's almost like early 2018 to now has just been like, it feels like lost time. It feels like very similar to 2010 to 2012 when I was in the total throes of addiction. And it that was just lost time. Like, I just don't remember it. I don't remember being there. And that's how really, like, from the moment I moved to New York and we had, like, four employees to, like, no, you know, it's just, like, was I there at all? And I think that the last couple of years have really been hard in that. And yet, I wouldn't change anything. Like, I I didn't want to go through what I went through this past year. It was the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. And I mean that in the sense of, and you know, like not exterior, like no one died, you know, I wasn't tortured. I had food and water. Like it wasn't, you know, the worst thing that could have happened to me. And yet personally, it was the hardest thing I've ever been through, even more than like getting sober because I lost my will to live, you know, like through so much of it. It was just, I would have chosen anything, but to go through that. Um, it was, it was, I know I've said the word humiliating a lot, but it really, I mean that in that sense of like, I was on the ground, you know, and I was so lost and all I could do was just live through it. And I couldn't do anything to change it or speed it up. And I also refused to do anything to change it or speed it up. Like I didn't go look for another job or you know, like I didn't do a lot of things. I just kind of sat in it and 
surrendered to it. And it was awful and it was great. And on the other side of it, you know, like we wait for those like really long periods that feel endless and confusing you know, let liminal space, like we wait for it to just kind of like go away. And there were so many times where I would be like, oh, it's over. And then like, oh no, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm out of it. Like, and you know, right. Like, didn't I call you a bunch of times and say like, I think I'm coming out of this. Yeah. I think I'm coming out of this. I think I'm coming out of this. And then, you know, something else would happen or like, and yeah. like, nope, it's still time. We're still <laughs> here, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think like, what it's given me is like my joy is easier to access. Like I don't need a reason for a living or a purpose. Um, even though like I'm not separate from that. Like I mean that I actually am closer to understanding that I'm just here is enough. Like kind of like what Liz Gilbert said, like maybe she's just here to hold a ladder. It has occurred to me that I'm not that important. I wasn't here you know, necessarily to create a revolution, mm-hmm. you know, and like become a famous author or to do stuff that I thought I had to do to matter. I actually, my life matters just by way of existing. And I theoretically understood that that's what we're like, you know, like that's a thing. But I don't think I got close to like really examining that until this year. And I'm not, I'm also not saying like now I get it. You know, like, cause I still, I'm so much more confused than I've ever been. And so further, like things seem so much easier to believe and to, you know, do you know what I mean? I don't know. Like years ago, I, when I read my old stuff, a lot of times I'm just like, oh God, I wish that I could just be as certain as that version of myself was about the way the world works. Um, yeah, that's relatable. <laughs> I... <laughs> I thought I knew so much. I was so certain about what I thought I knew. And I had such a confidence, a certain certain kind of confidence and a certain kind of conviction that I don't have anymore. Yeah. And there's a part of me. I don't, you know, I don't know. Like I was thinking about this the other day because there is a part of me that misses that version of myself because it was easier. You had answers. And you had answers, right? And and we want answers. And and like, I also then read my old stuff or go back, you know, and look at that and think like, you dumbass. (laughs) Look look at you like thinking you knew everything and you don't know anything. Oh, you're so smart. Yeah, You know, know. like, oh, and so. God. I'm like, how do people stand that? Like, but also... Yeah, you finish yours because I have a thing to say about that. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately I am okay with where I'm at. I'm happy with where I'm at in terms of my own growth. Like if we are here to learn things and to grow and to change and to evolve when we're presented with new information, I would rather be doing that despite the fact that it is painful and confusing often than to be a younger version of myself who thought that she knew a lot of shit. Yeah. I mean, like when we talk to Diane, I think this is going to be a really important part because, and Diane's next, Diane Sanfilippo's next, but like, you know, she has a set of work out in the world that we have a hunch, you know, she's like she's a published New York Times bestselling author who now has a different set of beliefs than what she's, you know, sold 
um, a lot of, of her work believing. And I think for me, when I go back and I read myself and like that really sure version of myself, that's like, here's how you do it. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's the answers. It works <laughs> like this. This is what this is. Like, first of all, I'm just like really impressed by her and I'm grateful that she existed because she was able to get work out into the world that she was sure enough to be audacious enough to say the things that she said and get the work out that she needed to get out into the world. And so I have been really careful because I have seen some other authors who go, you know, like I've, it's just like a, it is a common thing to be like to trash ourselves. And I think like, you know, but do you trash like a nine-year-old who like doesn't know right, how like you to, believe like, in Santa, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> Dumbass. You know, like so <laughs> like it's just like I really, really have a lot of respect for earlier versions of myself and doing the best that I could at the time. And yeah. Because then if I don't, then shit, you know, like we're just going to what always hate ourselves. Like, you know, like, and it, it's just, it doesn't work that way. Not healthfully. And so anyway, yeah. Um, I don't know how we got on this, but I guess like the point is this has been good. I've liked it. I've hated it. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot. I like who I am. I didn't for a lot of this, but on the other side of this, truly on the other side of this, I'm more content. I'm happier. I just feel like I, I feel like myself again. And I haven't felt like myself in a long time. And that feels really good. Mm. Did you feel like yourself? When you say it's been a long time, do you mean since like maybe even 2018? Yeah. 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 I mean, it, there, it wasn't that I didn't recognize myself, but I think it was also just like there was such a, a sense of like, what was this even for? It was like this fever dream of what, like, if you just think about it, you know, like I was an accountant. I started a blog, like I started a podcast that's like had millions of downloads now. And like, you know, like I... I have a, there's a, having 140, whatever thousand people on Instagram, that's significant and yeah. stupid. Having a New York Times, but like, it's kind of like all that happened and it happened really fast. I raised a lot of money. I'd like, there's like 50 people working for me, you know, at a company that I founded in our headquarters in Tribeca, you know, like it was just, what? You know, I was like in magazines and all of that happened so fast. And then it just was gone. And I think that, that it just was gone. And there I was, and I was like, how am I going to pay for my mortgage? What am I going to do to make money? You know, like, uh, what do I have to offer this world? What if I can never work again? You know, like it was just like, what happened? And I think that what I mean is, I didn't know what the point of any of it, it just felt so pointless. It was just so pointless. My life felt so pointless and wasted because it just was such a quick change. And I think, I guess what I'm saying is I didn't know who I was because then I wondered, was I even there at all? 
And what was the point? Mm. And what do I do now, God? You know? So that's what I mean. And yeah. I know myself again, but I know myself again not as the girl that was, you know, whatever, or the girl that did this, or the girl that came after, whatever. But I just know myself now on the level I couldn't even try and explain to you. Like half of the things I'm saying in this whole now hour and eight minutes, you know, eh, I haven't, pro- like, I've processed a lot of it, done tons of therapy, written a lot thought about it a lot. We've talked about it a lot, but I'm still just like, this is my best guess. Like I still, I'm in it, you know? Yeah. My perspective is still narrow. I wouldn't change anything. And, um, yeah. yeah. So does this sound, do I sound like a bummer or no? Oh my God. No, not at all. Okay, because the last time we did this, I sounded like a real bummer. So No, 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 no. I don't think you sound like a bummer at all. (laughs) Um. (laughs) It was a bad day, but like... Yeah, it was a really bad day. And and also you were still, you were really in it. Like you had not, you, there was, I mean, yes, you, you know, you're still in some version of this, but like... I'm still in it. You had not had... I think like you keep forgetting I'm still in it, yeah. And you had not had any kind of like resolution with Tempest yet. You know, mm-hmm. you were still, so you were trying to like speak from this perspective of like, well, X, Y, Z has changed, but like yeah. it hadn't yet, yeah. you know, like you were, there had not been, I think enough of a shift for you where you could sort of pull out like a, like a feel good episode <laughs> um, about, I, you know, with, <laughs> because like perspective, you need fucking distance to have perspective. You do. Yeah. And also like, I think, um, Humor, you know, like, yes, it gets yeah. funnier. The first, I mean, humor is like what makes all of this stuff good. It's like humor mm-hmm. and levity is just what, like, it's so important to me. And I think, like, I've tried to have a sense of humor about it, but like, it hasn't been naturally humorous. And I think, like, uh, I no, can like, an ego death is not naturally humorous, <laughs> it's not in the moment, <laughs> like inherently but after time you know it does like there are aspects of it that become funny you know yeah like it's true like it's just you because you can't make you really can't make this shit up you know like that's what that's why I love nonfiction because it's so much better than fiction Mm -hmm. you know life is very cruel but it also will give you lots of good jokes to make yeah yeah um, great jokes. <laughs> great jokes. Great fucking it's jokes. Good material. It's true. So, anyway, thank you for doing this. Thank you for sitting down and like. Yeah, thanks for doing teasing it, this. Teasing this all out. You've been listening to Quitted, a podcast about quitting, hosted by Holly Whitaker and Emily McDowell. Our music is by Michael Blumenfeld. Our sound engineer is Adam Day. And our producer is Kathleen Kissich. Quitted is made possible by us and by our listeners. To support the show, join our patron community at patreon.com forward slash quitted.